0: My wife and I lived in three for in England for three years, and she was putting bread on the table while I was studying theology. It was a wonderful time. But there was one particular day when we were visiting London that a banner on the side of one of their double decker buses caught my attention and drove me immediately to prayer. I'll tell you more coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. Across the country on Relevant Radio and around the world on the Relevant Radio app, wherever you find yourself today. Thanks for tuning in. When my wife and I lived in Oxford, we were only about an hour-long bus ride away from London, so we ventured to town, as the English would say, fairly regularly to take in as much as we could of all that that wonderful city London has to offer. But I remember one day I was standing across the street from the Houses of Parliament and a double-decker bus passed by and the advertising banner on the side caught my attention. In colorful letters it read, there's probably no God. Now stop worrying and enjoy your life. It stopped me in my tracks. I prayed and I marveled. At this unabashed evangelistic campaign launched by atheists come to find out the campaign was substantially funded by Richard Dawkins author of the God delusion and outspoken evangelist so to speak of what has come to be known as the new atheism here on the show today we'll have a look at the new atheism and atheism in general we'll talk about the effect that it's had on our society and how we might respond our spiritual director today is Father Peter Duganzik, a priest for the Diocese of Rockville Center and the pastor of St. Joseph in Kings Park, New York. Father Peter, welcome to the program. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you so much, and it's good to be here with you.
0: So, Father, uh, since this is your first time on the program, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Well, I'm a priest
1: of the Diocese of Rockville Center, as you mentioned. I was ordained in 1995. And I have to admit that the seminary that I went to might have been a little bit to the more liberal side. Um, And so when I was first ordained, I actually enjoyed my priesthood, but it wasn't the kind of priesthood I felt that necessarily was going to be the best priesthood. And so I had an opportunity a few years after ordination to go back for further studies. And one of the things that I decided to study was something along the lines of actually this very topic. I, I did a dissertation trying to compare an atheist perspective on human sexuality versus the church's perspective, and to see if I could develop a conversation between the two. And as you would guess, of course, I found out that we cannot. Since I've done that work, actually, it's really changed my priesthood in so many ways, and my entire approach to what we know now to be the truth of the Catholic faith. And so in my priesthood itself now, I do everything that I can to try to encourage people to move beyond what we see all around us in our culture and to once again accept the beauty of Catholicism, which in my estimation now, I couldn't imagine how anybody could live their life without it. Hmm.
0: And that's a, a fundamentally important position to have. Uh, and I think a lot of our listeners do have that position of uh, how, how do we live without it, right? How do, how do we live without our Catholic faith? And yet. So oftentimes people do, um, whether or not it's a considered position or not, I guess that's something we're going to get into, but there are influences away from it that are very active in our society as well. Specifically, I'm thinking atheistic influences. So maybe just start there, Father. How would you describe atheism? What is atheism?
1: You know, there's so many different people that throw the word around, and I sometimes scratch my head when I listen to them because I always took atheism as something far more strict than most people. Most people just hear the word atheism and think, oh, someone who doesn't believe in God. Yeah. Atheism as a discipline in and of itself is someone who did study a lot of the theism and has rejected it, or has looked into the possibilities and rejected them. And this is not something that they just arrived at trivially. I think when you talk about the new atheists, you talk about these these very serious personalities. I mean, you know, some of them are very well-known, the Richard Dawkins, as you mentioned, or a few of the others. They're, they're people who actually have put a lot of mental energy into their atheism and have come to the conclusion that God doesn't exist. Most yeah. of the people, I think, that we encounter in our day-to-day lives, whether they be coworkers, whether they be neighbors, are people who just are more apathetic. I wouldn't call them necessarily atheists. They just don't care. The god thing is just unimportant to them.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that's but still that's probably a That's probably a fruit of some of the uh, as I used the term very loosely, of course, the evangelistic uh, impetus of the new atheists and specifically, you know, trying to propagate a rejection of A belief in the supernatural as being contrary to reason that sort of thing right i mean even the people who do you think that that's a a resultant factor of that people who kind of live their lives not having consciously rejected theism so to speak um or is it is it just something that is maybe more humanly instinctive
1: i I think you're you're moving in the right direction What, what i found is that these atheist evangelists they're everywhere and when it comes to, like, having their tentacles in society, they basically run the media now, they run our schools, so their positions are being presented in a harmless kind of a way. They're just being like, this is, this is who we are, this is what we think, science is so important. And the, the, the faith question is never even entered into in a lot of these conversations. They just kind of say, just stop paying attention. I think that influence has been the influence on so many people in our culture, and even a lot of Catholics, too, who approach life with this more relativistic approach of, well, what's the big deal? Don't worry about it. Live your life. Enjoy. Get your gusto today. Their, their position, I think, is, is more widespread than we ever want to give it credit, and I think that that's something that we really need to, as, especially as believers, especially as believers, start praying about and start paying attention to because as we see even some of the culture wars that go on now over education or the culture wars that are going now on over like you know um, censorship or other things are are things that I think we as believers have to start entering into ourselves but bringing it not from that thing of you know like we want to silence you but stop silencing us which is Mm -hmm kind of what the atheists are doing. You can't talk, you don't get a microphone, you don't get an opportunity to share your position.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good point from our spiritual director Father Peter Duganzik, from the pastor he's the pastor of St. Joseph in Kings Park, New York. Do you have you experienced the influences of atheism in your life? Have there been ways in which you see yourself or others around you who are responding with maybe a a lackadaisical faith, if any. Maybe you've uh, you've come to a point of actually rejecting theism at some point in your life, rejecting the Catholic faith. Um, what drew you back? And how do you see atheism working itself out in the society around where you are? If you have anything to share, we'd love to hear from you. 888 is our phone number here at the Inner Life, Eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. You can also send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back right after this. Stay with us. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com/forester, an Illinois life insurance society, not available in all states. <laughs> Welcome back to the Inner Life here on Relevant Radio, relevantradio.com, and the Relevant Radio app. My name is Patrick Conley. We're speaking with our spiritual director today, Father Peter Duganzik, a pastor of St. Joseph in Kings Park, New York, part of the Diocese of Rockville Center. And we're talking about atheism. Do you have people in your life who are atheist? What are your conversations like? Give us a call. Tell us, 888 Perhaps you yourself are an atheist. What are your principal arguments against the faith, against Catholicism? What are your conversations like with Catholics? We'd like to hear from you, too. 888-914-9149. And uh, you can also send us an email, life at relevantradio.com. All right, Father, we, well, we actually have Bonnie, who's called in early in the show here. Bonnie, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Oh,
2: thank you. I'll make this quick um why an atheist who does not believe in god does not believe in anything because you can't believe in something that is nothing right there's nothing there for an atheist who doesn't believe in god yet they try yet they they must be afraid otherwise why would they want to discuss something that doesn't exist to them with them do you know what i mean am i am i explaining myself correctly
1: Yes, I I understand your question actually very well, and it's not that they don't believe in nothing, they do believe in something. A lot of times it might be materialism or it might be scientism, but they won't believe in a deity, they won't accept the fact that there's a higher power, they're rejecting the concept of a created universe. So it's not that they believe in nothing, basically they believe that the world itself was an accident, that everything came into existence from the Big Bang, and that we're just here because of evolution. Its when you Any time that I ever have conversations with someone who's an atheist, I don't get into necessarily at the beginning the question of existence or the question of God's existence. I always try to start with where they're coming from, which is from that perspective of the tangible, the seeable, and try to lead that person, deeper into, but what about the beauty? What about the expression? What about the depth, the intelligence? And then I can start to lead the conversation, I believe, further and deeper into an understanding that maybe there is something. One of the best things that I ever read, um, before he became Pope Benedict, Cardinal Ratzinger used to have conversations all the time with German atheists. One of them was named Jürgen Habermas. And by the end of the conversation with the good uh, Pope, Habermas himself admitted, maybe there's a lot more I need to understand and things that I need to look at because there were things that he never completely appreciated or looked at because he was never challenged to do so. I think a lot of times because... And again, it can happen to us as believers as well. We sometimes get into our own little niche with people who think the way we think and do what we do that we sometimes become very closed. And I think the atheists a lot of times, because they're only talking amongst themselves, never hear arguments that would push them past some of their limitations. And I think that's an important part of the whole process we need to go through. I myself try to keep conversations going. I I don't want to become so insular that... I don't hear what people are saying because if I miss what they're saying, in effect, I think it makes me a poor preacher and unable to try to help people, especially those who are dealing with in their own homes, people who don't believe or don't practice the faith or don't pray or or, or things of that nature. I I hope that helps. I hope that clears it up a little bit.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that, Bonnie. And uh, Father, I think we're going to try to get to—you're just experiencing a little audio clicking here from you, so we're going to try to get you on the phone um, but Bonnie, thank you for the phone call and thank you for the uh, the point. And it's a it's a good question. And I think one of the things that sometimes we run into as Catholics is we tend to be dismissive of the athe- atheistic arguments. Now, some arguments against the existence of God obviously are more more uh, I guess less potent or uh, less uh, less reasonable. Um, haven't as Father was saying earlier in the program, haven't necessarily studied theism. Uh, kind of hard and true and then rejected them, but are more passive, I guess you could say. Where are there There are some good arguments um, certainly that people have ar- entered into, like Father was just saying, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger entered into that. And as we continue to talk about atheism specifically on the show today and as we're trying to unpack its influence on our society and specifically in our lives of faith, I think that there's uh, lots that that could be done. It could be unpacked, of course, to um, to help us better understand um, where do these influences come from, and how do they how do they manifest themselves? How do they influence us in the way that we think? Maybe in ways that we don't even recognize. Um, certainly, uh, the belief in God, uh, Christian belief, have vastly influenced the history of our own country and the history of our people, but. Yet at the same time, there are seemingly a large, uh, there's growing influence actually of those who would say, yeah, religion is not for me. I think it's often been said, rightly so, that I mean, statistics bear out that the largest or the fastest growing religious group in America today are the religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S, who have no specific affiliation with any type of religious practice. And so, that's what we're doing. If you're just joining us here on The Inner Life, uh, we are trying to get our spiritual director, Father Peter Duganzik, back on the phone um, as uh, we're just having some audio problems with him. But today we're talking about atheisms, particularly the the new atheism, if you're familiar with that um, term, actually, you know, kind of uh, just given to coined that, towards uh, some of the influences of recent scientists. Um, who have said, uh, well, scientists like Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, um who have uh, kind of pushed forward for rejection, an active rejection of of Catholic faith, even ridicule of christian Christian belief and that sort of thing, um, because it is in their mindset contrary to reason and contrary to uh, good human thought. Okay, I think we have our spiritual director, Father Peter back. Father Peter, are you with us? I'm here okay, very good. Sorry about that, but you're sounding very clear right now. so um that's uh that's a good thing. Well, we just no, had a phone
1: there were those there are those bugs that live in the technology out there that always try to get in the way.
0: <laughs> that's right. that's right. absolutely right. well, we'll uh we'll soldier on, uh, hopefully surrounded by the graces of God as we continue on in the inner life today. Amen. again, if you uh, if atheism has had an influence in your life, perhaps you're a convert from atheism. Uh, man, We'd love to hear from you today as we're speaking about atheism and the new atheism and the influences. How did atheism influence your life and what brought you into the faith? what uh, what prompted your conversion? We'd love to hear from you. Our phone number here in the inner life is triple eight nine one four nine one four nine again eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio well, uh, Father, one of the documents of the Second Vatican Council, Gaudium et Spes, says that atheism must be accounted among the most serious problems of this age and it's deserving of closer examination. So why is it such a problem in our age?
1: You know, I find it interesting because Gaudium et Spes is coming up on 60 years old, and that yeah. was a, a long, long time ago that they even saw it coming then. I think the concern of the council fathers was they saw the front end of this wave that we're living through right now, the tsunami of atheism that's everywhere around us today. I, I think they were picking up on it then they understood how pernicious it could be mm. um, because there were a lot of people at that time already starting to press. I mean, and, and again, we have to go back into historical context. The cold war was still going. Atheism in Russia was spreading um, the, the, this, the, problems of communism were spreading around the world. So I think even then they could see that we need to start paying attention to the fact that people are turning away from God or rejecting God as part of anything that could be spoken about in public or be part of the whole conversation that we need to have with others.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, Pretty remarkable that they were picking up on that uh, 60 years ago, and certainly they were right in terms of the influence there. As I was just noting as we were getting you back on the phone, that uh, that there are, I mean... The religious nuns are the fastest growing religious group in society. Statistics would tell us, anyway, and that N O N E
1: S, not not the nuns, but even though we Correct. don't have a lot of nuns nowadays, it's the other <laughs> nuns that we're talking yes, about. Yes,
0: nuns. Yes, good clarification. N O N E S, those who are not affiliated with any particular religious faith or practice. Um, yeah, and
1: that's the group that I speak about earlier. That's just kind of more of an apathetic. They're just. You know, like they just don't care. They're just people who say, it's, nothing is important to me. I'm just going to live my life. You live your life. We'll agree to disagree.
0: One of the things that I think too, Father, is that uh, there's, a, there's a tremendous influence of the idea of autonomy. And and we've talked about this on the program before, but specifically around the word freedom, that um, our understanding of freedom is oftentimes that I, I should be able to do whatever I want Um, in my own life. Perhaps it's sometimes clarified or there's caveats there, you know, without hurting somebody else. But um, Gaudium et Spes also noted that atheism, um, including modern atheism, suggests that unbelief in God gives man freedom to be an end unto himself, the sole artisan and creator of his own history. Is that, I mean, would would you say that that's still pervasive in our society today?
1: Absolutely. I think that trajectory was outlined by survey pink in a book called the source of christian ethics and he even goes takes it all the way back to people like descartes and bacon and all of these great philosophers um, of this division between what we consider true freedom and what man now is taking on himself as what he thinks freedom is freedom is not the ability to do whatever i want at any time i want in any way i want that's just license that's just You know, it just off the off the board, off the charts, crazy. When you think about that kind of mentality, if everybody were just following their passions and doing whatever they wanted all the time, we would live in total chaos. We would live in mayhem. You know, there would just be no way that people could feel safe or be able to live their lives without crossing into other people's worlds and being hurt or being, uh, you know, stepped on or or, um, in any way. Uh, Shape, manner, or form being able to to have any sensible existence. Freedom was given to us as a gift. I'm going to say from God. I know the atheists don't want to hear that, but it's a gift that was given to us that we can pursue excellence, that we can pursue goodness, true goodness, and that freedom has to be used in that way. So many people today want to use their freedom for license, and you know, I mean, when anybody who raises a child knows. Your child wants to do whatever they want. They want to eat, you know, ice cream before dinner. But what do we do? No, we learn what is a good diet. We learn how to live a good life. Well, living the good life means that I'm going to do what's good not only for me, but good for society, good for the church, good for the world. That is a much tougher freedom to live because sometimes that freedom might demand that I need to um, deny myself, that I need, need to put my wants aside, let other people have a moment so that you know, like when we're talking to each other or we're dealing with each other, we're not stepping on each other. Or and one of the greatest people of the last century that really helped us to understand the problem of atheism today was St. John Paul II. Mm-hmm. Obviously coming from a communist country, being persecuted himself by atheists, understood that that kind of license is unacceptable. and it, And it's that kind of thinking that leads to the horrors and the tragedies and the terrible things that we saw happen last century. So we do need to understand that freedom is not just something that man decides or we get to pick and choose as to what's good. And you know, like. And again, in a relativist term, what's good for me as opposed to what's good for you, mm-hmm. as opposed to what truly is good. Freedom right. is ordered to what truly is good right
0: yeah very good good clarifications there father thank you for that so father lead us into some of the tactics of the new atheism i mean what are they all about because as i said before they're not really uh they're not really just kind of saying this is what we believe but they're they've got some proactive uh ways they're calling people to actually actively ridicule uh the catholic faith Yeah.
1: They are. When I did my research for my dissertation, I came across this guy called Dr. Paul Kurtz. Dr. Paul Kurtz described himself as the Pope of Unbelievers. So it made a good match because I, I took his thinking against St. John Paul II and tried to get together on a way that we could have a dialogue. The more I, I, I delved into it, the more I realized they're really not looking for dialogue. They're not really looking to have any challenges to their positions, what they really wanna do is they just want to, and their techniques that I said earlier, they're going to get into our school systems, they'll get into our media, they'll get into so many aspects of things, and then use the science against us. Mm. So for instance, I was doing some research and I came across a Dr. Jane Brown, who openly said in her book, she's a social scientist, openly said in her book that the old mores, the old Christian mores that are these antiquated, um, superstitious kinds of things, have to go away to give way to the new morality that she was about to propose. And the new morality was like instead of, you know, like saying um, being abstinent in a sexual relationship, no, you know what? We'll just have the safer sex and we'll just start promoting this. And even said that they are, at that time, which was back in the 90s, were putting their social scientists with writers in Hollywood to get, sometimes it's only a a 15 or a 30 second scene about their position so that people are now being influenced by these, um, these famous people who are are being portrayed doing these things. It it really was very, when I read it, I found it just to be very, very um, pernicious, very almost evil in some ways of, of just saying, we're going to just, reprogram human minds to think a certain way. And they use the sciences, the social sciences and other sciences as ways of getting their thoughts, their ideas into the minds of people so that now, you know, like as a confessor, sometimes people will come in and, you know, like we joke about certain things that we might hear sometimes that somebody comes in and they're, they're struggling with something and they don't understand why it's a sin anymore. So, you know, why is it a sin to use God's name in vain, or why is it a sin to to not go to church? They've been so convinced that it's not that big of a deal that sometimes it's a struggle in the confessional trying to help them to see the, what again, I'll go back to this word truth, what the truth is that was ordained for for us as human beings from the very beginning of time. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is a huge struggle for many, many people because um, as as one uh, as one social scientist had put it, both the elites and the garbage collectors are basically now consuming the same media. Mm. And that I think is, is even more telling because in days gone by, at least the people who were of say of an upper class would consume a different kind of media. They might be going to a, con, uh, to a um, uh, you know, to, to these, these plays or other things, um, these, uh, um, you know, beautiful works of art as opposed to the person who wouldn't have had any access to any of that. And then they would have been the ones setting the tone. Now the ones setting the tone in our culture are these famous people, these sports stars, these movie stars, and these Hollywood writers who are developing an image of what they believe the human person should be today. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And it's a, it's an important thing to bear in mind too. That's an interesting, uh, interesting thought about uh, all classes and uh, all people's consuming the same media. So let's uh, take another phone call, Father. We've got Jack who's calling Uh in from Salt Lake City. Jack, welcome to the inner life. Are you there, Jack? Jack. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. We got you now.
3: Okay. Uh, My thought, I've talked to several atheists about how to get this point across that. Sometimes they're just indifferent to the rest of the world. But I ask them if they've heard of the contingency theory, and they say, well, what's that? Have you heard of that, personally? If you haven't, it's a wonderful thing, because I talked to four or five people, and they seem to get their attention. But I say, well, you had a grandfather, right? And he had a grandfather, and his grandfather had a grandfather. And that tree we're looking at over there, it started with a seed. So everything was contingent upon something else starting it. Even, you know, everything you can think of out there, something started it. And what was that? And I let them think for a while. And then i say, there's only one thing that never had a beginning. And I thought who lit the match on the big, big, big bang theory for one thing. And, you know, there's had to be somebody that started this stuff. So you could just say, okay, big bang theory. That's how everything started. Well, yeah. Well, how did that start? I mean, how did you get the substance to start that? And so you start looking back at the beginning of of time and how all this earth is situated such that there can be life on it because we're the perfect distance from the sun and the moon is the perfect distance from us or we wouldn't have tides which feed the the water and the, the vegetation. So there's all kinds of things that are perfect about where our earth is placed and how things are and our free will mm. now the free will is a problem when people say well why is there evil and there is evil because god does not violate our free will we have the right like i told god one time i said i'm going to seek i'm going to knock and if i don't find i'm going to bag it but i'm going to seek and i'm going to knock and then i realized i had to reach something that said act as if god exists and then it changed my life. You're, 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 I had a brick mason come to talk. You're
1: packing an awful lot into that. I, I, I want to just interrupt for a second, because when you bring up the contingency theory, um, that has been used in a variety of ways. But if you go back to Thomas Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas had five proofs for the existence of God, and one of them was the argument from contingency. It's exactly what you're saying. Um, I think Father Barron, when he did the Catholicism series in the third episode, actually mapped that theory out so beautifully of, You know, take the regress as far as you can. But at some point, you're going to have to say that there was something that started it. Or you could use any of the other ones. The unmoved mover is one of them. That motion is always created by something else that put it into motion until you get to the first act or the first principle. And the first principle we call God. Mm -hmm. So sticking with that whole thing of contingency, it's, you know, people will ask me all the time, is belief in God reasonable? Is belief in God a rational thing? And I say absolutely, yes, it is. It has to be. Um, and i and I prefer the word reasonable because it's reason, faith, and reason that are incredibly important in in our own spiritual life. Like, you know, we're not unreasonable beings. We're not outside of of what reason can dictate as the good, the true, the beautiful. And even the experience of beauty is a reasonable experience. And so, I, I again, look at some of the great documents we have in the church, like Fides et Ratio, Faith and Reason. Sticking with that, if we have the conversation and we're allowed to have the conversation with an atheist from a reasonable perspective, from a rational perspective, we can have these arguments like the one that you've mentioned here as a way of at least getting them to start thinking through the conversation, getting to the other end of, well, how did I get here? You know, faith comes first. It always comes first for a believer. We, we will never back off on faith. But the beauty of, of the whole thing of faith is that it leads us to ask the questions, and it leads us to push ourselves beyond the limits of what our eyes see to the mm-hmm. thing that, well, maybe there is something that my eyes didn't see that really does exist. I'll call yeah. that God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, good points, Father. Jack, thanks for the phone call. I appreciate that. And, but that's one of the arguments, Father, that the new atheists oftentimes make and, and new atheism oftentimes make is is particularly that, that uh, belief in God, belief in the supernatural is actually unreasonable. Um, but really, that's that's taking its cue from a number of philosophical influences that have arisen over the past, what, couple centuries at least, um, in saying that really what's what's there is what we can encounter with our senses, uh, kind of an empiricism type of, of look. Am I right on that?
1: Absolutely, 100%. So many times we're attacked as being anti-science. I don't know how many of these atheists actually looked at how many of the scientists that have been big contributors were Christians or even priests. Right. I mean, you know, Lemaitre, who came up with the whole um, thing of evolution, was a priest yeah yeah we're not right. irrational we're not unreasonable we you know and, and again the more I read some of the brilliant minds of the past the more I begin to realize these were not out of touch people you, you can caricaturize and the atheists do it all the time you can caricaturize a believer as an irrational person and we've all met that irrational believer that just is very superstitious and you know has to almost in that um, wrote kind of way of, if I don't say my prayers exactly this way, I won't get what I want. That's not the believer that is a Thomas Aquinas or a John Paul II or a Catherine of Siena. The, the, when you read their writings and you see how brilliant they were, they didn't arrive at, at you know, God is by just saying one day, you know, like, I'm just going to be completely irrational about this and I'm going to cast, cast my entire life aside for this Thing that doesn't really exist. Of mm-hmm. course, they didn't do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Our spiritual director today, Father Peter Duganzik from the Diocese of Rockville Centre in New York, and we're talking about atheism and specifically the new atheism, the influences of atheism on our society today, and how we might respond as Catholics. And Father, I think that's one of the things I want to get to, especially as we're we're looking at developing our own inner life. Uh, that's the name of the show, right? So, um, it's a good you know, name too. Yeah, indeed, because um, we've got, you know, yourself and others who are studied who have, you know, read and studied Aquinas and others who um, who would have some arguments. But um, for I don't know, I could say, I guess, the average pew sitter. I mean, how might we respond, especially because we do see this influence in our very families, you know, gathered around our dinner table. I'm sure that there's plenty of listeners listening right now who can look around their dinner table and say, yeah, I see where this influence got in here. I see where that influence got in there. So how can we respond uh, to to this atheistic influence?
1: I think first and foremost, as a believer, we have to respond with compassion, of understanding that that person didn't just appear any more than the believer just appears as such, that this is something that has been formed in them, cultivated in them. And rather than trying, like especially when I'm dealing with someone close to me, um, I start with prayer. And... and because the show is the inner life. If I don't have an inner life before the conversation, it's not going to be much of a conversation when we get to it. And I think that that's a key thing to remind ourselves of how important it is for us to be rooted ourselves in a a strong prayer life and making sure that we ourselves are still keeping up on our spiritual reading, of making sure that we're listening to relevant radio or making sure that we're listening to good podcasts that are out there to help form ourselves first and foremost, because they're going to come back at us with all sorts of of, um, anger sometimes, or they're going to come back at us with their hurt because they really, you know, they don't want to have to grapple with it. And that's why I say it's so incredibly important in the conversation with them to see them as God sees me. Now, I want to build on this a teeny little bit, to see that person in front of me the way God sees me. Whenever I go to prayer, I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I've done things wrong. And it's not like God's sitting there wagging a finger at me or throwing more doctrine at me. God is being very patient with me. God is being very caring with me. And God, in in effect, in my prayer life and my spiritual journey, wants to lead me through that, knowing that he's got to get me from where I am, to where i need to be and so god is patient god is doing everything he can god has been so wonderful he asks us to do the same for the other to not you know to see what we maybe that person needs to get to but to see that it's going to be a process that it's going to take some time maybe quite a few conversations a lot of prayer that, I think, is so important for us to remember that we're not going, <laughs> like when you have someone sitting across the table from you at dinner that, that is just an ardent non-believer, by the end of that dinner, they're not going to be a believer unless some sort of a miraculous thing happened at that dinner.
0: right. Right. That's a good reminder, too, Father. And I, I'm I'm grateful that you remind us all to start in prayer and start with compassion and understand that, yeah, this is a process. It's something that uh, is entered into through relationship and through conversation. We're speaking today about atheism, the influence of atheism in our society today, and uh, some of the toll that it's taken on our Catholic faith and our, and our loved ones and our friends and our family. And uh, if you do, if you are uh, someone who has seen this in your own life or in the life of a loved one and you've seen that influence of atheism, you've seen them walk away from the faith, um, you have heard them express beliefs or views contrary to the Catholic teaching, give us a call and let us know what's going on. Maybe you have a question that you'd like to ask our spiritual director, Father Peter Duganzik. Our phone number is 888-914-9149. Again, 888 888- Nine one four nine one four nine. Our email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com. We're going to take another short break, but we'll be back with more of the inner life right after this. If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at relevantradio.com/slash forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentevich, our producer, and young Thomas Sengesser, who is taking some of your phone calls. We're speaking today with Father Peter Duganzik, our spiritual director, pastor of St. Joseph in Kings Park, New York, specifically about the influence of atheism and particularly the new atheism on uh, in the minds and hearts of our society today. And our young people as well, Father. We had an email come in from Vanessa, who is uh, saying that her husband struggles with the vision of God. Specifically, uh, that some violent people cling to or use an excuse. He struggles with uh, reading the Book of Judges and other books in the Old Testament when he sees um, supposed like killing mandated by God and that and the societal implications of that. Uh, would you like to respond to Vanessa?
1: You know, I. I've been listening to Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a Year, and he even will touch upon some of these things when we get to those sections of the Old Testament that are. I even tell parents, before you do Bible in a Year with your children, listen to them because they are R-rated. They can be very um, mm. very hurtful in some ways to some people. But we also have to remember, too, that um, it, it's not God necessarily willing the evil because God can't do that, but recognizing that within the um, salvation history that there are going to be these times and these moments. I mean, you know, like we could even think about um, the way the Old Testament was um, lived and the era in which they lived. These were ways of survival. These were ways of um, the people themselves telling their story for future generations. And if we and if we only took just those parts of the Bible that we see from some of the the things that happened, especially in the older part of the Old Testament, we would fail to see all the beauty that comes out of the prophetic periods, all of the beauty that comes out of the New Testament. And I think that when we approach the Bible, we, we always have to remember to approach it as a whole. And Jesus is the one that starts to say, it was, but now it's different. So you have heard that it was an eye for an eye, but I say to you, turn the other cheek there is an, a revelation that's been ongoing and some of that revelation has been through some very dark periods in the bible that have now resulted in the light of the world coming to us to say this was because of the hardness of heart this was because of the broken nature this was because human beings are imperfect in many ways or tainted by sin and so i always encourage people that when you do read the bible Read it in context, but also make sure you have good commentary with it. Make sure that you have maybe a spiritual director that can help you through it. Because, yes, some of it can sound really, really horrible, and Mm -hmm. it wasn't meant that way. It was meant as a way of bringing us understanding about who we need to ultimately be to be saved.
0: Yeah, very good. Thank you, Father, for that. And Vanessa, thanks for the email. I Appreciate that. One of the things I think that comes out of that, though, a, a positive thing, is that uh, it sounds like Vanessa's husband is is at least reading the scriptures and is entering in and trying to, uh, trying to wrestle with this sort of thing. And I guess one of the one of the questions that I would have, Father, is that uh, from your encountering with uh, atheism and the new atheism and that sort of thing, um. Do you think that these these folks who are proponents of atheism do you think that generally speaking they do um in, as you said at the beginning of the program do they do they do they engage with catholic beliefs do they search the scriptures and then um just decidedly reject it um especially the proponents i guess not society as a whole but the proponents of it
1: I would believe there are some who do. I I can't speak for every single one of them, obviously. The gentleman that I had looked at in my dissertation, Dr. Paul Kurtz, clearly he was one that did understand some of the things, not all of it, but he did understand some of the arguments and did his best to try to reject it. Um, The way we approach things in faith sometimes requires us to, how do I want to say this? requires us to ask them what do you know so sometimes when i'm talking with an atheist i say can you explain my position because i can explain yours I've, i've heard you i understand you i was even at one point in my life probably better at making your argument than you could especially when i was in college and first out of college and had fallen away from the faith but can you make my argument for me and a lot of times they can't and that's when i can get that conversation going for, because because again, I think there's a kernel there for some of them, like Dr. Paul Kurtz never actually had, I believe, had a conversation with a true believer. He would say, oh, this is what the believer thinks, or this is what the believer says, because I read this thing, but never actually had the conversation or the push to go a little further. I think that's important that we do that. And again, it's a process. I want to keep going back to that word when we're when we're dealing with someone who's been formed or just so deep in something to to get them to just start thinking about something different than what they've always thought. And that's hard to do. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, right. We're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Peter Duganzik, about atheism and the influence of atheism in our society today. So, if you do have uh, atheists that you've encountered, and what was that like? What kind of conversation do you have? Or perhaps um, atheism was once very significant in your life, and you have since uh, come into the into the faith, into the Catholic faith. We'd love to hear your testimony. So, give us a call: triple eight nine one four nine one four nine eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to the back to the phones. We've got Jorge who's calling in from Watsonville, California. Jorge, thanks for calling in. Welcome.
2: Hi. Hi. Good morning i'm um, a father of two uh, teenagers um being raised catholic and in the last three or four years uh, we've gone through some major major drastic uh unfortunate things whether it's job losses illnesses death in the family uh, my kids are really good Catholics and devout prayers but uh, prayer, prayerful folks but they are starting to question if god is love compassion why is all this happening so i explained to them you know he allows these things to happen for there's a plan for, for us to grow in grace and be patient and persevering, but I don't. I'm not. I don't think I'm losing the battle, but I can start seeing their eyes looking at me and saying, "Really?" Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's a lot of parents that have the same situation where, you know, with their children, you're, you're with them. They go to church, but now they start to become um, teenagers. Unfortunately, one of them goes to public school, so you can imagine the battle there. My other daughter is going to Catholic school, so. Um, any thought any advice for parents uh, like in a similar situation, how do we continue to let them know that yes, things won't be difficult and we'll go through trials and tribulations, but there's a God that loves us and he's doing this for or for the better for, for all of us. So what I'm trying to f- find ideas on how to respond to that?
1: One of the things that I say first off is thank you so much as a father for being involved in the lives of your children, especially their faith lives. It's again, it's a process and as a parent you know, you're never gonna stop parenting and you're gonna always have to walk the journey with them and you're always gonna have to be there for them. And a lot of times we have to ourselves recognize love is not always easy. And when God loves us, it's not an easy thing to love God. When you think of your own relationship with a spouse, with a child, love sometimes requires a lot of sacrifice and a lot of difficult things that will come with that love. And so I remind people a lot of times that we're not talking about, um, you know, faith being this antidote to all the problems in society. It it is an antidote, but for it to work, we really all have to accept what faith really is about. I said this some time ago, we all know the whole problem of Marxism. And Marx was one of those people that said that religion was an opiate for the people. He was the one that kind of got us thinking that, we run from reality to be anesthetized, to get away from all the the problems and the trials and the tribulations. As I was working on my Easter series of of messages that I'm going to be giving on Sundays, one of the things that I keep emphasizing is the whole problem that we have today of, you know, Catholics thinking that once you become a believer, life gets easy. And I remind people, if if we're true believers— Our own Savior himself had to die a cruel death on the cross. All the apostles were ending up being martyred or or killed in some way. Um, I I will talk about this weekend the whole question of Quo Vadis, when St. Peter was trying to get out of Rome, and he sees the Lord, and he says to the Lord, Lord, where are you going? Quo Vadis, where are you going, Lord? And he says, I'm going into Rome to be crucified again. And that's when St. Peter realized, I can't run from my destiny. As a believer, I know it's hard, especially with your children. Um, It's hard to understand that, yes, God sometimes asks us to do some very difficult things as well as, you know, when he does give us the graces, when he's there and helps us get through some trials or tribulations. But by the same token, we can also take those difficult moments, those hard moments, and let them become transformative for us so that we can truly experience the grace that God is communicating to us. I know it's hard as a parent, especially today, when you say that your children are going to a public school or your children are out in the culture and they're, they're in effect being convinced by this atheistic culture that, you know, God is supposed to be this nice guy, this good guy, that's always gonna give you what you want and always make life easy and always take away all your problems. And I got to be honest, I've gone around the sun now 62 years and plus, and that's not the God that I've gotten to know, the God that I love so much. It's a God who actually loves me enough to help me get stronger and better and keener so that I can live a good and healthy and holy life. That's what you're trying to do as a father. You're just trying to help your children to be holy people, to be good people. Keep working at it and don't, don't turn away. Don't give up. Don't be afraid to ask advice from your parish priest. Don't be afraid to ask advice from fellow parents. As we come together, we can do so much more than if we try to do it apart. So I'll keep you in my prayers, Jorge. I know that a lot of what you go through, I'm sure, can be a struggle, but don't let it overwhelm you to the point where you don't see the good that's coming out of all of this.
0: Thank you, Jorge. Great question, great call. I'm sure it's on the hearts of many parents um, that are listening right now. So thank you. And let's pray for parents as they encounter that. Father, one of the things you said just here before we ask of your blessing in a few seconds, but uh, one of the things you said tripped a memory that um, one of the great, uh, maybe perhaps the great responses in addressing someone who doesn't rejects belief in God is, well, tell me about the God you don't believe in. And uh, oftentimes descriptions may come in that are contrary to what we actually understand, who we actually understand God to be. Sorry to all of our that's wonderful a callers. That's
1: question that everybody should ask, too. I, I think that's a great question.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe some clarifying points there. Well, sorry, again, to all of our wonderful callers. Um, great questions that have come up, but we, unfortunately, are out of time. So, Father, before we let you go, may we have your blessing, please?
1: Absolutely. My almighty God shed his blessings upon all of those who hear my voice right now, and I bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. And Father Peter Duganzik has been our spiritual director for the Inner Life today. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for listening. We appreciate your listening, whether you're listening on Relevant Radio, RelevantRadio.com, or, of course, the Relevant Radio app. Uh, coming up tomorrow here on The End of Life, we're going to talk about the spirituality of work. Work is something that's, man, like most of us are doing or have done. So what is, how does it play into our spiritual lives? Coming up next, though, we've got the solely sacrifice of the Mass with Father Daniel Schuster. And later on, the Family Rosary Across America with Patrick Madrid tonight. So be sure and tune in for that. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, grace and peace.